Good morning. I am glad that you are here at Central Church today. I'm going to miss that video that we've used through this series. This is the last sermon in the series, and starting next week, we'll be outdoors. I checked the weather app today. It says next week on Sunday, it's supposed to be 82 degrees, and so it's going to be beautiful, 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 perfect. This series, we've been looking at at those uh, situations, circumstances, where people can feel like they are the odd man out. And we're saying that Jesus says, no, 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 no. You can be in. He welcomes us in. And when society or even sometimes the church or, or, or life pushes folks out, makes them feel like a misfit, an oddball or whatever, Jesus says, no, you, can, you are welcome here for God so loved the world. He loves everybody. And so we've talked about some of those issues in our doubts. Jesus embraces us like Jesus did for Thomas. When we struggle with mental wellness, Jesus says, I am with you. When we deal with things like the thorn in our flesh, we we talked about how in, in those circumstances, Jesus can heal it, boom, healed, but sometimes he can use it. And should he choose to use it instead of heal it, he gives us the power to endure it and that he gives us the strength and the wherewithal. And then last week, we talked about those circumstances when, when even in our own family, our biological family, we might feel left out. Maybe even because of our Christian faith, we feel left out. And so now this week, as we're wrapping up this series, uh, let me offer this disclaimer before we get too far into it. Um, there are a lot of things that can make people feel like they're an outsider. Because every one of us has the potential to have something that would make us feel like we were an outsider, like we were the odd man out, that we were, were on the outside looking in. And so maybe the best place for us to start is in Romans chapter 15. Paul, writing to that church, says this, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement. Anybody need endurance or encouragement today? Endurance, I'll give you strength, God says. Encouragement, you can make it, he says. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. What kind of attitude of mind did Christ Jesus have for each other? Well, what does the Bible tell us about Jesus? He's a friend of sinners, right? The Bible tells us that Jesus was willing to be interrupted, right? Didn't matter who, male, female, old, young, sick, well, unclean, clean. Jesus loved everybody, everybody, everybody. That's that's the same attitude of Jesus. So if we have that same attitude, so that with one mind and one voice, unity, unity is a beautiful thing, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that even though we're different, every one of us unique, all of us dealing with our own circumstance, with one mind and one voice, glorify God. That's what's been happening this morning already. Right? We've been singing, we've been praying, we've been uh, uh, operating together, one mind, one voice. That great Charles Wesley hymn that we sang today, Love divine, all love excelling. Joy of heaven and earth come down. You don't want me to sing that song. But I love the last verse. The last verse. I won't sing it, but I'll read it. 
It's amen. I got an amen. <laughs> Brigitte said amen. Please do not sing it faster. <laughs> I don't blame you, Brigitte. I'd have said amen there too. Charles Wesley wrote this. Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless, let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee. Change from glory. He's talking about us. Change from glory into glory till with thee we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee. And here's the last line. Here's what I really want you to get. Lost in wonder, love, and praise. Don't you want that? Don't you want to be in such a spot where you're lost in wonder, love, and praise? And we pray, we pray around here, we think, all right, well, in heaven, one day, when I'm with the throngs in glory, then I'll be lost in wonder, love, and praise. Well, wait a minute, we pray around here that God's kingdom would come, God's will would be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. That's just not uh, talking about societal ills that we want God to, to, to transform. That's talking about us that we want God to transform. So much so that we can get in a place where lost in wonder, love, and grace right here on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how does that happen? Paul tells us. May we glorify God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. How, why do we do that? In order to bring praise to God. So in one voice, one, one heart, one mind, all together, lost in wonder, love and praise, accepting one another, that brings praise to God Almighty. That's what Paul is saying here. Well, pastor, let's get a little specific then. What are you exactly talking about? We're talking about the odd man out, odd man in. What are you talking about? All right, I can't, again, this is not an exhaustive list by any means. But what are we talking about? Who needs to be welcomed in the church? Well, let's see. Not Nazarenes. This is a Nazarene church. Should I start there? You know, sometimes we use too much insider lingo Nazarenes are the king of acronyms, you know, NYI, what's that, Nazarene Youth International, N NYC, what's that, Nazarene Youth Congress, NYC, I thought it was New York City, no, it's not, it's not, it's Nazarene Youth NMI, missions, all these acronyms, who cares, we talk about Water's Edge Camp, you think, what in the world is that, and for the old timers like me, we don't even call it Water's Edge, we call it the campgrounds, simply the campgrounds, well, there's plenty of camp, but what are you talking about, it's where our kids go to camp in the summer, Sometimes we use insider lingo. And if this is your first church, or if you've never been in Nazarene church, that's okay. You're welcome, you're welcome. I counted, I've been, uh, I have faithfully attended in my life 12 different churches. Some of our folks, you know, June Northway, I see June, this is the only church June's ever gone to. She's, you know, a little bit north of 60. And she's, she's a little bit north of 39. Sorry, June. Man, I got Brigida, amen, and I'm going to have June throwing tomatoes at me. That's their only church. That's great. But if this is your first church ever, and you don't know our lingo, cool. We need to work on our lingo, no doubt about it. We want you to feel welcome. What about this? Introverts. We want you to feel welcome. You know, we, we sometimes live in an extrovert world where the loudest voice seems to get the most attention. And, and, and poor introverts, 
you know, we think, oh my goodness, you know, they're, they're looked over. God doesn't look over you. Are you here talks? I just mentioned the throngs in heaven. And, and God bless introverts. When you talk about, mul- you know, everybody in heaven and multitudes of people all singing praise to Jesus and they're thinking, oh, what heaven will be for me is you give me a hammock and a book and no people and I'll be in heaven. And you know what? God created you. We're thankful for you. We want you to be welcome. What about this? Singles. We want singles to be welcome. Sometimes singles can feel left out, feel like the fifth wheel. Listen, Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. We would all agree with that. Lived a completely fulfilled life. We'd all agree with that. Did exactly what God wanted him to do. We'd all agree with that. Guess what? Never married. He was exactly where God wanted him to be, and he was never married. That's okay. That's okay. Right along with that is widows. Widows can sometimes feel like the fifth wheel. They've lost their spouse, and now, you know, where do I fit in? The Bible repeatedly, Old Testament, New Testament, talks about how we need to care for our widows to make them feel welcome, make them feel appreciated. You know, I'm glad yesterday's in Flint Day, before it got rushed out, you know, we had several teams going to several different widows' places. That's what we're called to do. One of our home groups, uh, uh, they, they have... You know, they would go out in different places and usually it would be, you know, uh, husband and wife would sit across from each other and then one of them lost their spouse. And so now women sit on one, on one end of the table and the men sit on the other because they want them to feel welcome. They want to feel left out. Praise the Lord. What about, what about maybe married but no kids? You know, well, maybe, maybe because of choice or maybe not because of their choice. And again, when the church is acting the way the church should, when we're acting at our best, we're the family of God. And so, so those with no kids, they have plenty of nieces and nephews running around here. And we want them to feel that way. Hmm, how about this one? I talked to a person this week. This week, two days ago, whose daughter doesn't want to come to church, won't come to church, refuses to come to church. Adult daughter. Because she came out. LBGTQ. Listen. Um, we, our church hasn't changed its stance. We believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. And that all sex outside of marriage is wrong. But hear this. If we're going to be the church of Jesus Christ, we're going to welcome people. Don't we want that daughter to be in church? Don't, I, Carla and I had a conversation one time with this uh, couple, lesbian couple, and Carla, bless her heart, asked if she knew, Carla knew the answer to this question. She said, where do you go to church? She knew they didn't go to church. They'd never gone to church. And the lady said, oh, we wouldn't be welcome in any church. That's exactly what she said. If that doesn't break your heart, it ought to break your heart. Let me get real serious. When our students are struggling with same-sex attraction, don't we want them to struggle in church instead of in the world? Where do we want them to struggle with that? Where do we want them to grapple with that? We want them to grapple with it here, not out there. We want them to grapple with it with youth pastors that love them and care for them. And they need to know that their church family loves them and cares for them. Don't you think that's 
Doesn't that just make sense? I talked with a lady this week. Her parents were born in another country. She was born here. She's an American citizen. But she, so she, they had one culture at home and another culture in life, you know, in, in school, in, in work, and all of those things. And she said, I just have never felt at home. Shouldn't she feel at home here? Isn't that, isn't that what we're to do? We don't want the, her left out. We want her in. Or how about this? This week I, I went to, or last week, uh, a couple weeks ago now, I went to Dillon Elementary School. I was able to read in a kindergarten class, and, and I took some books, and I read. Uh, one of the books was, was called uh, The Other Side. And so I was reading to these kindergartners a book, The Other Side, and The Other Side is a book about a, a little girl whose mother told her she couldn't go on the other side of the fence, said it was dangerous over there. And so this little white girl uh, climbed the fence and sat on the fence, and she watched the little black children playing on the other side of the fence. And, and a little black girl on the other side of the fence, mother told her she shouldn't go on the other side of the fence, that it was dangerous over there. The little black girl's mother told her the same thing the little white girl's mother told the little white girl. And so uh, the, the, they were playing near the fence, and the little uh, black girl said that her mom told her she couldn't go on the other side of the fence. And the little white girl who was sitting on the fence, are you following along? The little white girl who was sitting on the fence said, well, my mother told me that too, but she didn't say we couldn't sit on the fence. And so the little black girl and the little white girl were sitting on the fence. And to make a short story even shorter, they became friends, as you might expect. And when I got done reading that, a bunch of kindergartners, little black girl raised her hand, and I called on her, and she said, I think that story means that brown people and white people ought to get along and be friends. And I said, that's exactly what that story means. Listen, if it doesn't break your heart about what happened in Buffalo last Saturday, it ought to. That is evil. I can't make it any more clear than that. Evil. When, when what happened in, in, in the church last Sunday, when, a, when a, a Chinese national went into a Taiwanese church with mostly people from Taiwan and shot it up, that is evil. Make sure you hear that. People need to be welcomed. We're praying for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's going to be all races, all colors, all tribes, all languages. That's what it is. And if you have a problem with that, you'll have a problem in heaven. And if you have any problems with anything I've just said, my email address is John G. <laughs> at Central Church of the Nazarene. Listen, this series is saying we want people to feel welcome. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean we agree with what they're practicing or what they're doing. It's saying we want you to be a part of what we're doing here and a part of what God can do in your life. It's recognizing the truth of Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds and the sky and over the livestock and over the wild animals and more... And, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind, you and me, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 
It's recognizing that everyone you see is created in the image of God. That that passage is really wrestling with and, and pointing us to who am I in this great big world of ours? It's saying that God created you. That goofy smile, you know, ears maybe stick out too big, maybe nose a little too big, you could lose a few extra pounds. Whatever, God created, small feet, big feet. Yesterday we had the, uh, Pastor Joey's uh, kids were over at our house for a little bit and, and I have a picture of two sets of feet. They're coming up, they're coming up. I know they're coming up. They'll come up any time now, that's not it. There's five feet, there. well there's not even feet on those people. There they are, two sets of feet. One is Elise who just gra- finished the first grade and one is Carla. And then you see the next ones, they're wearing, they can flip-flop shoes. They wear the exact same size. All of that for that. That wasn't worth it. <laughs> God created you. You're created in his image. And at the end of his creation, after the, the sky and the earth and the animals, what did God say? God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. I think God still sees, says that. He looks at you, you know, airs stick out, nose too big, could lose a, few, lose a few extra pounds, small feet, big feet. Says you are very, very, very good. God sees the potential in you. God sees what you could become in him. God sees the wonder that you are. You were created in the image of God, the Imago Dei. Now, of course, the the image of God, when we talk about the image of God and created in the image of God, that doesn't mean that God has a a nose too big and ears uh, uh, too big or or, or anything that. Jesus, in this conversation with the women at the well, said God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. So if God is spirit, How can we be made in the image of God? What does that really mean? It means that we are to be a reflection of God. We were made in the image of God. Do you remember, let me best explain it this way. Do you remember in Sunday school when you were learning the the Ten Commandments? Second commandment, thou shalt have no other graven image, make no graven image. The NIV says you shall not make for yourself an image, a form of anything. Why did God say that? Why didn't God want graven images? Is it because God, you know, like some people, they don't like their picture being taken? Oh, I'm bad at selfies, you know, don't do it because, you know, my hair is wrong or my, my you know, I, I never smile quite right. Is that, is that what this is about? It's you and me, right? We are to reflect his holiness in the world. We are to reflect Jesus' love in the world. We are to be the, the same attitude as Jesus. That's what we're told. Adam and Eve in the fall, they, they, it, they marred the image of God. It did not destroy it. Jesus can restore it. Jesus can make all things new. And what we're saying here, when we talk about people being made in the image of God, every single solitary person made in the image of God, it says that every person has intrinsic value. Every single person is value. There's no throwaway people. It's not just the, the best or the fastest or the brightest or, the, or the, the richest or the whatever, the most talented. That's not, everyone has value. That's why we're unashamedly pro-life because we believe that every single person has value. The, the unborn have value, the elderly have value, and everybody in between has value. 
See, there's this cynical and deceptive chokehold on society that says only the producers, only those who have potential, only those who have capacity, only those who are going to add to society have value. That is not true. Every person, including those people who are poor or obscure or afflicted or unborn or mentally challenged or aged or anyone that the rest of society might say are less than, Jesus says, no, 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 you are welcome to me. And followers of Jesus Christ, we need to have the same attitude of Jesus. That's what Paul said in Romans 15. It's recognizing that every person has infinite value. If you are hurting, feeling left out, feeling like like you're the oddball, the misfit, you are his favorite child. Wait a minute, I thought God loves everybody. He does, he does. But when you're hurting, see the lie, the lie is that when we've done something, when we've messed up, when, we, when we've gone away from God, when we've dropped the ball, when we've, when we, that God loves the holy people, God loves the perfect people, God loves the, you know what I think? See, here's an insider lingo word. We believe in provenient grace. We believe that God chases after those who stumble and fall. We believe that God goes after those people. And so instead of running away when you've messed up, God runs toward you when you've messed up. Instead of saying, I want nothing to do with you, provenient grace says, I want everything to do with you. That's what we're talking about here. God said, odd man out, are you kidding me? No, you're in, we want you in. God does everything to get you in. That's why he went to the cross. So that you might be in. Wherever you've been, whatever you've done. Do you remember when Jesus, when Jesus' first ministry, right? What did he do? His temple in, 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 or synagogue in Nazareth. He goes his hometown. He pulls out the, the scroll. It's from Isaiah. And he reads, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recover sight for the blind, and set the oppressed free to proclaim the Lord's favor. For him, the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is saying, the poor, you're in. You're blinded by life, you're in. I came for you, you who are oppressed, I came for you, yahoo, freedom. The way Paul describes it is this. For we are God's handiwork. Maybe uh, the, the, the version I have on the screen is we are God's masterpiece. I like, I like that version better because it really does, the Greek conveys an idea of artwork. You are God's masterpiece. I'm no art expert. I can't describe for you the difference between, you know, Renoir and Rembrandt or Monet and Monet. I don't know any of that. I don't know shading and color. I can't teach a class on art uh, a theory. But I know this. God has declared you to be his masterpiece. What that means is that you are created in the image of God. He sees what you could become when you fully give yourself over to him, when you're reflecting his holiness and love in our world. You are God's masterpiece. And according to Paul in that passage, being a masterpiece of God, what is, have you ever been to the mountains? Have you seen the, you know, the Rocky Mountains, right? They're gorgeous, it takes your breath away. Guess what? God never said they were his masterpiece, but he said that you were. 
Have you ever been to the ocean and seen the, the Pacific Ocean, seen the sunset? Oh, forget that. Lake Michigan, better. Lake Michigan sunsets? Beautiful, gorgeous. God never said they were his masterpiece, but he said that you were. And as God's masterpiece, we're not made to hang on a wall in a museum. We're not made to sit in a pew in a church. What did Paul say? For we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. What? To do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. We are God's masterpiece. We are called to reflect his holiness in this world and his love in this world. Listen, we did yesterday in Flint Day. It wasn't to get God to notice us, to think God was impressed with us. It was, we don't, you know, pray five times a day or knock on so many doors or, or you know, give a million dollars in the offering box. Although if you want to, that's okay. We don't do that. It's, not to get, it's, it's in response to what God has done. God has saved us. God has, God has called us to be his masterpiece, to make a difference in this world. So that when we do, when we pray, God's kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That when we start doing that, when all of us start doing that, what happens? Well, we sang it. Lost in wonder, love and praise. That's what we want. Reflecting God's beauty, his holiness in our dark world that desperately needs to know there is a savior that will welcome them in.